then by the time I went home, I had just been through basically two and a half years of traveling, uncertainty, a lot of highs, a lot of lows. This was the first in-person episode I've recorded for the Train Ground podcast and really is a unique episode. Talk with Sam about his football journey over the last 10 years, his travel exploits around the world where he attempted to play professionally for a number of different clubs um, throughout Europe. Um, we also discussed some of his personal struggles um, off the field life and how he began to push some of the qualities they did learn in football into his music career. Like I said at the start, this really is a unique episode, but I am confident that you will have some good takeaways. This episode of the Training Ground podcast is a first, as it's live and in person. I'm speaking with Sam Dorf, who's a good friend and former teammate of mine from undergrad at Mercier. So, Sam, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm doing it from uh, my living room, so... Yeah, like I said, it's a first, yeah. um, but it's good to have you on. Happy, Appreciate it. Yeah, happy days. I'm honored to be. Yeah, yeah. So, tell me a little bit about how you first got involved in football. Um, I know you played some other sports growing up, but when was football your your first sport or the one that you decided to go ahead with? <laughs> yes, yes. I, I was a baseball player. Like you know, I mean, play. I played everything, and um, but. It was about at the age of like 11 or 12 when um, I basically joined this team that had a coach that grew up playing for, um, through a mentor, a mentor of his who played in like the Soviet Union, played for Dynamo Kiev and stuff like that. So he really instilled that sort of like, really like big drive and love for the game. Uh, shout out Omar Sethi and Michael Konovalenko. Um, but yeah, they he just told me, watch soccer, study it, and I basically just begged my parents to get the uh, the, the soccer channel at the time. I think it was like Fox Sports World. And uh, from there, um, just was just watch games every week, and then that, from there, basically, um, playing with kids from all walks of life, you know, um, we, had, we had players, we, kid, Mexican players, European players, kids from Africa, like, literally had this, like, United Nations kind of um, youth set up at, at like it, and uh, based off of, like three different age groups so mm-hmm. um, playing with older boys as well so that was really it and then I just got addicted from there really um, and then eventually by the age of like 16 is when I stopped playing other sports even though I was probably better at like baseball for instance but yeah um, yeah I was just I was just fell in love with training and um, yeah just wanted to do that from then so at what point did you become um like specifically a Man United fan was that somewhere <laughs> towards college or yeah all right so for, for, for everyone who's like oh just jumped on the bandwagon no I um watched it I had these friends um who were like German or whatever and they had this DVD of the United 99 treble winning season and we watched that and that was like the first time I saw basically any European footy like any anything so like I saw that and then got FIFA 2003 and just played as United and so that's when it yeah you know fell in love with like Roy Keane Paul Scholes and stuff like that mm. yeah so OG so if you had a specific player growing up like would it Roy, Roy Keane Roy Keane you Roy would Keane. of course Roy Keane yeah what kind of stuck out was it the position that you wanted to play or just 
personality, mentality? What kind of drew you to him? <laughs> All of it, really. It was just kind of, it was the center of everything, you know? Attack, defend. Um, but but most, I mean, most mostly it was just, you know, the, like, just the way his determination and just his approach to every single game, every single tackle, like, just his, like, just uh, obsession with doing the little things right. And I think that, you know, if I could have done anything over the course of my career that, you know, remotely, um, you know, embodied that, it was just what, you know, the way that he was just involved in everything from attack to defend, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So in every aspect of the game, I just thought he was just head and shoulders above anyone else he came across. And you can obviously see that with just how many titles, like United won and stuff, mm -hmm. whilst he was captain, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that '99 season was one of my earliest memories too. Yeah, the, it's incredible. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It so. probably will never. It probably won't ever happen again uh, for an English team, anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So obviously, I know you. We played um, together in college, but I don't know yeah, a whole lot did. of your backstory for how you ended up getting there. But what was your <laughs> yeah. recruiting like in high school, or like how did you end up moving halfway across the country? Yeah, why the hell did a kid from Milwaukee end up playing it? Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, I was just a late bloomer, I think, you know. Um, I th At the time, I played at a, you know, I was, I was playing, like, for, like, a good high school. So, like, obviously in America, like, we don't have, you know, the club system. We mm -hmm. have the high school college system. And, you know, um, I was at the best high school in the state and one of the most nationally recognized high schools being Marquette High School. And, um but I had come, I didn't come from like a big club soccer background. Like I came from this club where it was like, nobody really had a lot of money. So, you know what I mean? We just kind of made things work. So I flew under the radar as far as like the local scene and stuff like that. Um, but I had kind of like a breakout year, like sophomore, junior year. And then I had a bad injury. Like I tore my meniscus like right before, like at the end of my junior year and then uh, did my ankle actually right before senior year. So I kind of missed out on uh, a bunch of D1 offers and stuff, Division 1. Um, like I, So I was like basically gonna, I was looking at somewhere out, American University in D.C. and then uh, UWM, uh, Wisconsin-Milwaukee, which was mm -hmm. local. Um, but the coach at Wisconsin-Milwaukee was like, listen, like we can we can take on as a walk-on, but like, you know, you're not, you're not going to really play first year or whatever. And I just, all I didn't want, want to do is play. So his name's Chris Wally and he had actually played at Mercyhurst and I think he was roommates with, uh, Mickey Blythe. Um, so played for like John Melody and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's how he connected me with Mercyhurst and he knew Dale, um, and just kind of was like, yeah, arranged just, that. Yeah. So just to so, clarify for like, uh, listeners that aren't aware so those are some players that were former Mercyhurst players yeah. on the coaching staff as well yeah 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 and involved with yeah yeah mm -hmm. um, and so yeah so I was like super late in the process like I was like it was late into my senior year actually when I even went on my visit to to Mercyhurst and stuff and I think one of the big appeals because Chris Wally knew like I kind of had like a British style of play and like kind of wanted to be involved and in and around that, and he was just like, yeah, you should go here because everyone's 
basically foreign mm -hmm. and went on my visit and there was not a single American at the training session. So I was like, perfect. So that's exactly yeah. what I want to do. I mean, so after my visit, I knew that this was a level that um, I could come in and probably play right away and kind of have a big, at least have a good opportunity mm -hmm. for that. Um, and then be just be surrounded by people that, you know, just lived and breathe it and just have a yeah. good time, you know? So yeah, it, it wasn't too much. A, it was an easy decision after, yeah. after that. Well, what was that transition like to, versus high school where all your kids are local and you know everybody to um, working with players and teammates from across the world really like how did you manage that well it was, it was easy because that's what i wanted you okay. know i was i was like i was ready to leave home and i just i wanted to go somewhere else you know because yeah that was always just kind of my thing i didn't really um fit in as much at all with like anyone mm -hmm. like you know what i mean <laughs> like my yeah. my friend like my friends growing up were all like mexican kids people whose family spoke only spanish and stuff like that and like from you know i i just that's who i connected with mm -hmm. so um i didn't really have too much of a connection with like the traditional american yeah style like i only had like a handful of like american friends yeah. to be honest so it's like it, i'd always just wanted to mm -hmm. yeah yeah in your like early days at mercer <laughs> do you have any specific memories of that first preseason or first training session first game or <laughs> yeah i remember like i remember meeting you when you had a mullet uh, <laughs> <laughs> i was a wild back. well uh, no yeah i just because i remember like it was weird because they connected us with on like facebook and stuff with like who our roommates were going to be mm -hmm. so i met so i was i was basically told like right you're, you're going to be roommates with a kid called tom mills from manchester mm -hmm. and i was like yeah happy to yeah sweet but we we were just like kind of messaging on on you know what i mean so it's like when when you actually got there um yeah it was kind of weird mm. but no yeah, it was it was uh it felt pretty normal from day one you know i remember chatting to you and about like fitness and what you'd been doing the summer you know like leading up to preseason i was yeah. like fuck's sake i'm gonna be back i'm gonna be behind here yeah <laughs> well that was <laughs> that was the thing on my end i had always been told that yeah. when i did commit to college in america was that these kids are going to be bigger than you fitter than you faster than you and mm. i didn't want that to be a limitation because i kind of saw that as something that you have full control over yeah um so i did try and make the most of it that summer no for sure i I mean, and I, yeah, I didn't really know what to expect as far as like the level either, you know, as far as like technical skill and just, mm -hmm. but like, you know, like players like, um, like Fernando and, and Austin and stuff like that, where he was like, all oh, right, really technical, like skillful players and stuff. So that was, I, but again, like that was kind of cool. Like I was almost used to that just mm -hmm. having come from like the youth experience that I did have, like where it was just a melting pot of people. Yeah. Like, I don't, I was almost used to that. So it wasn't even, it did, barely affected me, yeah. to be honest. Well, I know, what about the training schedule of, like, getting used to training every day and only being in season for, like, two and a half months of the year? Yeah, well, the only the only difficult thing was after the season was over, because I was used to it. Like, I'd already been, I'd already been doing that. Um, like, when I was in high school, I didn't go out, didn't party, didn't, like, hang out with anybody. Like, I basically was just, like, constantly playing and training. So, mm -hmm. If anything, it was almost like a little bit laid back in yeah. comparison to like what I wanted to do. But once the season was over, it was just like you just go mental, just like going to classes and like not having training. So mm -hmm. yeah, like that's all I wanted to do the whole time. And like I would always just like go to the gym 
just kick a ball off the wall, you know what I mean? Work on first touch and things like that, like yeah, hours and hours, you know. So that was always hardest. Like once the season was over, mm-hmm. it almost felt like, why are we here? Yeah, you know. The ball. I know some of that is based on just NCAA rules that mm-hmm. out of season you have to wait two weeks before you can start to do stuff. Yeah, you can't train a week of exams, things like that. But yeah, yeah. How did you find the schedule um, to do your own things on your own time? Did you have a specific plan in place or was there a time in place? Did you ever try and get other people to do what you were doing or did you like to take? Yeah, I mean, like outside of season, you mean? Yeah, yeah. So were you one that always wanted to do stuff on your own or were you trying to get some, some people together? Well, it was a bit of a mix. So like I would always, so like me and me and Tom obviously being roommates um, and I think I commandeered the bag of balls mm-hmm. anyway. So I had possession of, of everything. So I was just yeah. like, so I, me and him would just go kick around, you know, and, and just, just paying and like work on passing and turns and, and, you know, first touch and stuff like that. And I think second year around, like, um, once like Jacko and Mick and stuff mm-hmm. were involved, like we would, we would just do that all the time. I'm trying to like get out of class to go, go up to the field and stuff. But um, mainly in the winter time, we, our first year, we had a really good group who like played futsal and stuff mm-hmm. in the gym and, and those games, those were always really competitive and good workout and you know what I mean? Everything like that. Um, uh, but towards the second year, people were like, Oh, I have to like write a paper and all that. So I was just fed up with that. So I just, I would just like take a ball, go up to the gym, um, and just work on like passing, mm-hmm. 15 20 yard like and basic i would just and I, stuff, yeah, yeah basic stuff but you just keep doing it and keep doing it and it's just like it was almost like a way of like therapy of like just zoning out from everything else because mm-hmm. you know yeah. you're in you're in erie pennsylvania it's freezing cold and you don't want to be doing schoolwork and you know yeah. what i mean it's just like this so that was that was all i wanted to do like i went to college to play so, to play fo- football soccer you know what mm-hmm. i mean that was that was the reason i went so yeah it was it was it was hard, obviously, like yeah. dealing you, with the rules. Can you speak towards like what you did in summers? Um, I know we obviously had a local team. Uh, can you talk about that division and what kind of players that attracted and um, what you got from that overall experience? Playing in the summer in Erie. Yeah. Oh, like for the Admirals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after, so after our the our freshman year, you and I played for them. Mm-hmm. Um, made the team and stuff and very similar to the university setup like everybody was from England and Ireland and stuff and older and a bit older mm-hmm. so like being like 18 on a team where everyone's kind of in their like mid-20s um, just like learned a lot every day was kind of a just a, a learning experience and stuff and but ultimately by the end of by the end of that first season um like living with the boys and, and, and training every day and stuff like that. You know, I just, I got a lot better just having played with better players and playing, you know, people with, you know, more experience than I did. And by the end, you know, I had scored a few goals and, you know, started, um, by the time we got the playoffs and stuff like that. So like, I absolutely loved it. That was one of my favorite summers. Mm -hmm. Like it was just so, it was such a good, it was just such a good time. And, you know, I think that prepared me so well for, um, our sophomore year where obviously we went on to, you know, go to final four and stuff like that. But like, I kind of had gone from being somebody who, 
you know, had a, had a lot of potential, who was just kind of like a, um, uh, rough around the edges, I suppose, as a player mm-hmm. to like having really, um, jumped up a level. Yeah, so by the, that, you know what I mean? That transition in four to six months was, I think, evident, especially for the people that didn't see you that summer, like when you came back. Yeah. Um, sophomore year. Yeah. But again, like, I mean, that all came from training though, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that was always my favorite part of it. Working for people like John Melody and, um, what was his name? The, the assistant brownie or whatever. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was class, but just like the dedicate the 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 time where you'd like stay after and work on stuff and kind of just like pick their brain about about certain things and you know what I mean. It was just like the training aspect was mm-hmm. was was all of it. Like yeah, so. yeah. I one of the things I, I had loved noticed it. was um, the difference for playing against somebody that might have been a grad student or somebody that's twenty five, twenty six. Mm. Um, it definitely takes some time to adjust to um, different styles of play, and yeah. I, I found the game a lot more physical than yeah. I initially thought it would be. Yeah, kind of going in. Yeah, yeah. No, it was definitely it was definitely a step up from I think what we were used to and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, having having then a couple of years later, like also been in that same league, and you know, I, I ended up you know going over back to Milwaukee and stuff like that, like. It, it definitely was was that but it, it at the same time like once you get older you kind of like you kind of come into it and then you're you're not as like wow like i'm on this on this pitch with a guy who's going mm-hmm. to the fucking mls you know what i mean or yeah. playing you know so yeah it was kind of more yeah yeah you get uh, used to it i mean that makes sense So you, we were in our second year together at mm. Mercyhurst, and unfortunately at the time I was injured, but we did get to the Final Four, um, one of the top teams in the country. Mm. And then just a couple of months later, you were gone from the team and mm. from the university. Yeah. Um, what was the cause behind that for people that might not know, and then what was your own thought process yeah. about uh, where you were going to go from there? Well, I thought you were going to say, unfortunately, we were roommates. Um, no i will give you that i'll I'll take a nine month injury over being being a roommate with you (laughs) yeah man well so i obviously like i think we had we just had a really cool year and um train every training session was good it was people wanted it a lot and i think we were just really close as a group Mm -hmm. like our our whatever our our class or our grade or whatever the fuck we we were all just like really tight yeah you know what i mean so i think that made a big difference because we ended up beating teams that were better than us there was a big group um yeah we were in our second year we was like maybe 12 15 people yeah um so we did have a year to get to know each other before that yeah yeah no and yeah and i just think like we were all bought in as well like we bought into the style of play that we were going for. And I think we bought into, um, uh, just, just, I think what our, you know, what the coaches were saying and stuff, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like just our approach was basically, it didn't matter who we were playing. We were just going to play our way and, Mm -hmm. you know, we come out on top and, you know, we got kind of lucky in some aspects, you know, but like end of the day, you know, it it all sort of, you know, it evened out and Mm -hmm. we, we made it really far. Um, had a, had a couple big moments like last minute goals and things like that uh, to really you know put put us 
in a in a in a competitive spot. And, you know, I think unfortunately it did end short in the well, the semifinal, the national semifinal, and like I think, you know, just a, t- a team that really hadn't been prepared to even like do that was yeah. a little bit. We were a bit over our heads with, you know, playing against like Lynn, mm-hmm. who, you know, average age was twenty six, but yeah, so, I think they've <laughs> since changed that process. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they were much bigger, older, more yeah. physical. Yeah, no, we were we were. We were worlds apart, but I mean, we we could have done with you know, preparing, like as if we were actually playing in a semifinal, mm-hmm. but you know, it, I I really I really loved that team and I loved everybody um, who was a part of it. Um, I just have always had this, I think a, I guess a negative quality of kind of like always wanting to be somewhere else, mm-hmm. and. I realized like, or at least I had felt that, you know, that I wanted to be somewhere more be- like bigger than this and better than this and kind of like wasn't really content with, I think like where things were at with, you know, like some of the training and some of the, uh, the preparations, it's just like the overall schedule and, you know, kind of butted heads a little bit with like coaches and stuff like that. Um, and so when the season was over, I think we all just went a bit mental and you know not without going into specifics um we were just partying way too much and just kind of doing and we just and we just had no supervision did we like mm-hmm. it just went off the rails a little bit like there was there was stuff that we did that year that was you know borderline illegal so it's just like I definitely wasn't really able to handle that. And I had some other stuff going on too, like just like getting involved with like girls and stuff and drama and just needless stuff that like really took my attention away from, I think the reason I was there, but saying that, you know, once the season's over, it's Mm -hmm. like, I didn't really want to be there anyway. So we just kind of, we got into too much of that. And, um, you know, ultimately I got into a situation um, where I was unfairly treated by the school, um, but I needed to leave. Like I knew it, it wasn't the right thing for me to stay. Like it wasn't right for me to stay mm-hmm. in a in a kind of an environment that was, for lack of a better word, just like a toxic thing, you know. So I went home. I played uh, with Maki Bavarians. Played on PSL again. Just kept progressing. Um, ended up taking classes. Uh, to kind of keep up with the education, but, you know, ultimately ended up, um, playing like training with the Milwaukee wave, playing men's league, you know, playing with adults, really kind of like working through, um, all that, all that adversity and stuff like working, bartending and stuff like that. But, you know, having to deal with basically just like leaving your friends and then some of, some of them like kind of knowing what I'd sort of been through and kind of got, you know, fucked over in some ways, but you know, it's just like, I needed to get out of that environment and ultimately that's what got to, you know, what was spurred me on to like go overseas mm. and stuff and, yeah. you know, uh, pursue playing professionally and things like that. You know what I mean? It's just like, I was never going to be at Mercyhurst for all four years and graduating. Like I just knew that like day one, mm. you know what I mean? I just, but I think, yeah, some of the off the field stuff was really kind of what, um, kind of sent me down. I think some dark stuff, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? So. When you did leave Mercyhurst and you were playing, um, with 
couple of teams back home. For yeah. Um, what, what was the motivation with playing? Was it like a fear of failure or like what goals did you have in mind? Was it just to play day-to-day training session and games or what, what was the bigger picture at the time? Um, when I initially came home, I didn't really know what the, what the next step was going to be because, you know, so to be clear, like kicked out of school, I was kicked out of school for, for stuff. I didn't really know if I was going to go back, um, eventually, um, or like what the next step was going to be. I tried actually, I was recruited to go to like Marquette university had seen me play over the summer and they were like, can you come in? Um, and transfer, um, and ultimately, I would have had to sit out the first, uh, the whole season, and mm-hmm. then so I was like, I can't sit around. I'm not gonna like waste time. So that's when I decided that like I'm gonna try and go professional, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's my motivation. So I, I was playing men's league. Like I said, I was training with the Milwaukee Wave, uh, professional indoor team. Um, went to combine in Florida, um, which was like it's called Info Sport Combine. Um, and that's just a, another like good way to get exposure to kind of the lower professional leagues and yeah. in the states and stuff. Um, and then that's when we kind of I spoke to you about like what are the options to go going to Europe because that's that's all I bet that's all I ever wanted to do anyway is go mm-hmm. to Europe and um, so yeah like the train like the day to day for me was work save money so that you can go overseas that yeah. was that was it at that point you know what i mean school was back burner uh, there was no going you know turning back in my yeah. mind yeah well obviously we kept in touch um but what were the thoughts of you know some of your other friends or how did your family feel about um, what decisions or what hopes you you were having um were, were they supportive of it or a little apprehensive my dad my dad was always supportive uh, my mom also, but like she was like upset with me, like I didn't finish, and you know there was like, oh, you're wasting our money, and I was very, I was very privileged to have the ability to have like to have parents who um, stood by me mm-hmm. and supported like what I really want to do, and when they knew that like all it, like all I cared about and what my heart was set in to do was just to play and to and to travel and to you know, earn a contract somewhere, you know what I mean? I think that, that that's when they really bought into me. Um, and I, th- you know, I think the friend bit was the friend's part. It, part of it was, was the most difficult though, because it's like you go from being with your teammates and your friends and people you've, you've won and experienced success with and partied with, et cetera. And like all that goes away and now you're on your own completely on your own mm-hmm. and you don't have that support system. That was always difficult because you're always like kind of keeping in touch, but yeah, you know, I, I, I learned how to like survive on my own. Yeah, and and I, and I ended up being on my own for what three four years. It's well, like that, you know what I mean. That was a tough transition for me too, and a lot of the other Irish kids that I knew, their plan was to always stay in America, and then when they graduated and were on their own, obviously the decision a lot of them made was to go back home. Right. Um, but you almost got a head start of what that would feel like yeah. for some of us, <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah, a two, yeah. three year head start. Yeah. Um, but you've been to a couple of countries and you've, you've played soccer at all sorts of levels. Um, Did can a you bit, talk yeah. us through kind of what your first move was, uh, where you went, why you went there and how the timing worked out for you? Yeah. I mean the first, mo- so I was, I was actually on like a trial thing, like trial week, over at uh, in Pittsburgh at Riverhounds, a USL team, 
and um, like kind of my mentor at the time from here, from Milwaukee, he was with me out there and I think they were prepared to offer me like a spot on like their U23 team and I was like, just had kind of done that already you yeah. know what I mean and at the time that was the second division right if MLS USL yeah second yeah, okay. second division yeah there's no like promotion relegation mm-hmm. so it's just like yeah but um yeah so I, I was like I was like okay like I could move to Pittsburgh and like play amateur for like a bigger club or whatever but um at the same time I was I was speaking to you about going to Waterford and I'd spoke, and you know, you got me in touch with the the manager there, Tommy Griffin, at the time, and like spoke to him on the phone a couple times, and he's like, "Yeah, we've had Americans in the past, like, you know, come over, you'll train for a few weeks, and you know, we'll make a decision, you know, if you if you fit the level, then, you know, yeah, we'll 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 sign you up and stuff like that." So I was just like, "Sick, like that's more than, that's awesome." So packed my bags basically, and then got out there. Um, I want to say end of January of 2014, mm-hmm. 2015, maybe 2014. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's where I'd always wanted to go anyway. Yeah. It was always like Ireland and the UK, but yeah. like Ireland for me was, you know. Yeah. So uh, when you left, there was yeah. nothing really set in stone. It was. No, it was, it was complete. It was completely, it was like, all right, I'm going to stay at Kev's parents' house. I'm going to train. I'm going to, I mean, I, I booked, I booked the maximum length of time you can stay i think like what 90 day mm-hmm. visa or whatever or 90 day period of time and um because i was like oh, you know i was planning on making it and all that you know what i mean but yeah um but yeah it was just completely up to so i, I flew in the first day tommy picked me up in waterford because i got bus down to waterford straight into training that night Got some chicken goujons and then went went to training, <laughs> and then the following night I played at the RSC against Longford Town. Um, so within twenty four hours, um, yeah, I'd been I'd been training uh, with with them and then played played my first match. So it was, it was sick. Yeah. Like couldn't have asked for anything more. And that's when I knew I was like, this is where I want to be. Yeah, I you think know? at the time. <clears throat> Uh, Warfare in the first division and sem like had a semi professional setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the standard like um, compared to what you had seen in college and then adult soccer over it here? Better, it was the standard was better in college for sure. Um, it was a, I'd say is pretty comparable to like the NPSL level, mm-hmm. you know, where, like I said with the Admirals, you know, there's a lot of older like older boys like in their mid twenties and stuff and people who'd been around it and been around you know at bigger clubs and things like that and you know especially like from the english boys and stuff and um so you'd have some of them players who like were on like the the books at like leicester city and celtic and stuff like that but obviously never made it there so they'd come back um so there was like it was like a mix of like young players like 17 18 year olds but then like you'd have your older Mm -hmm. older get older pros and stuff like that like well, older pros, I mean, like, in their 20s. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I, I, I was, like, 20, 20 or 21 at the time, so I kind of fit right in. Um, the standard in training was good, but the games were a lot of hoofing, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, the first couple of weeks, I really had to, like, find my feet and adjust, to, um, like, like even just, like, the surfaces. Like, you're, we're used to playing on turf here, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And I and I had been training, like, with an indoor team. So, like, you go out and you're, you're now you're playing on, like, nice grass pitches and stuff. And 
and all that like it's it's a little it's very different you know and um but after about after about a i think what two three weeks they offered me a contract um a very humble contract but uh but yeah yeah so i signed then and um probably a couple couple months in like basically then i had been doing really well in training once again progressing um and everyone was just like well can we get him signed up please so we can actually play yeah and so that was that was how it went and you know unfortunately obviously like the club was in debt and with the red tape with basically having to prove that you're more capable for a job than anyone in the european union much less ireland like you can't it wasn't possible yeah so that's when i you know that was like obviously the hardest part of all that Mm -hmm. you know was to kind of be able and ready to play but literally just not being allowed to play yeah how, the how did you that take be. that decision there because obviously <clears throat> it was out of your hands but i took it i took it bad like it was worse it was it, i mean it was the the most like heartbreaking thing i think i've ever gone through mm-hmm. like i remember um i'd been moving around my housing situation was a bit um after i left your parents um was a bit uh it was a bit mental, and I ended up living in this house with like these Chinese people without heating. Um, but the club put me up in a house anyway. But like I was, I was once I kind of figured out when when I, when I realized that I wasn't going to be able to stay and wasn't going to be able to play uh, League of Ireland matches and stuff like that. I kind of took it hard, like you know, I, outside of training, I just started. Um, I started like that was when I started like drinking on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to go out and like see as much as I could, you know what I mean? Trying to see the country at that point. Cause when you're training every day, like you're not, you're not fucking, you know, going on, you know, being a tourist, but that's when I started like kind of drinking on my own and sort of like self-medicating through all of that. Cause it was, it was heartbreaking because my plan was to play in Ireland for a couple of years, a year, a couple of years and then move to England, you know? Yeah. And you know, I, in hindsight, it was a bit daft because you don't really understand the way the you know the 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 visa thing works and all mm-hmm. that but like everyone i mean they they had told me that you know yeah they could have sorted that so you know it's just like yeah did you don't blame myself too did, much did that. you kind of feel pressurized to put a front on that not that you're having a great time but that you were making a success or that you were still working hard versus yeah putting your hands up and saying it's not working out you know is that something you're able to do easily with family or friends <laughs> well i mean i i had uh i had uh i had been blogging about it and um you know i think i had a lot of support from back home a lot of people were like oh i wish i was doing that or like that's sick that you're doing that and mm-hmm. so it was definitely a bitter pill to swallow and you know it was like yeah time's up mm-hmm. you know it definitely um you know and, and we we do live in a culture where it's like you make it make your life out to seem like it's much better than it is and i think um you know but i i did come home and i explained what happened and you know and i was very honest about it it wasn't like i was trying to i've never like been dishonest about my experience so yeah yeah so i think once once i kind of came home and then decided to go to israel that's when that was when it was like (laughs) you know what i mean that's a bit that was a bit wild you know but that's just like yeah. what was the time frame on that so when you when you did come back to when you left again 
so I want to say I came back in May, June, whenever it was. And uh, honestly, my heart wasn't really in, well, it certainly wasn't in staying in America. It was certainly, like, there was no options. There was, like, being in Milwaukee, we don't have a pro team. We didn't have one at the time. We still don't have one now. Um, and it was like, do the same shit that we that I had already been doing for three or four years, which is play NPSL, play, like, PDL, like, development mm-hmm. leagues that are based for, like, college kids. And I'm like, oh, I'm not a college kid anymore. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm... I've just been paid to play. Like I'm not. I'm not messing with that anymore. Like I want to go somewhere that's meaningful, and having no options, essentially, um, in a very short period of time, it just kind of put my head together with some, like my dad and uh, my co. You know, my my coach and mentor and stuff like that, and was just like, well, why don't you just go to Israel? <laughs> because like my my dad's side of my family uh, is Jewish, so. I could kind of blag it and be like, have a rabbi say I'm Jewish yeah. and stuff and just like get a, get citizenship. Like I didn't think it, you know what I mean? It was just like, all right, go, go, go. So yeah. that's, yeah. So I got a free trip out there through a thing called Birthright. I got there for free and then somehow um, with like networking with like people I didn't know, I got a trial at Maccabi Haifa, which is a European, like they've played in the Champions League. Yeah. So I was at tri- I was on trial at Maccabi Haifa for two months, and I was staying in hostels, staying on people's couches, like turning up to like finding my way in a in a different language to a training to a professional training ground like proper professional setup, with like and then playing against people who like have cars paid for them and like are put up in like sick digs and stuff. Yeah. What was the <laughs> culture like there with? playing every day or training or temperature, even humidity and kind of what foods you're eating. Oh my eating. God. My first day at Maccabi Haifa, there had been a sandstorm in the Middle East. <laughs> so it was like 30 degrees Celsius, which is like eight, like 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Dust in the air, like hard to breathe. And like everyone was so fit. And I was like, this is... And I had just kind of gotten off like about like a 10 day trip around the country, like trying to keep fit. But you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I was absolutely just ruined. (laughs) First day in, I was ruined. (laughs) So with their setup, they were were training every day and it was up to you just to find your way there and and get back. Exactly. Yep. Yep. It was literally like, yeah, I mean, it was like a homeless, it was basically a homeless kid just somehow finding his way at a you know a big mm-hmm. you know big club to me at the time was it seemed like a big club so yeah um and obviously like I, so i was there two months um the problem was is i had gotten there in like september which is past the transfer deadline so even if they wanted to sign me which i don't think they seemed too keen on it although they kept me there for a while which is weird but they were all good to me but I was past the deadline, so they were like, well, you got to go to the Division 3. you got to play in the third division because, you know, they don't have a transfer deadline, FIFA mm-hmm. transfer deadline. So, um, But in order to play Division 3, I had to become a citizen. So then everything got put on the back burner because then I had to do my citizenship stuff. So I was, like, cleaning toilets at a hostel, like, so I didn't have to pay. Mm-hmm. But I was, like, cleaning toilets, like, scrubbing floors and stuff, like, all swell, 
trying to uh, get um, my, get papers. Sorted. Were were you still playing then, or was it like a well, yeah. So limbo? so by that time, I'd gotten an agent based in Tel Aviv. So Hi so Haifa. So I was living in Haifa. So Haifa is about an hour north. Mm-hmm. It's like in the north. It's like right under. It's like hundred kilometers south of Syria, and um, I'd gotten an agent who was kind of like trying to sell me to third division clubs, basically at mm-hmm. that point. So. Then he put me on trial. So I then I would like bounce around. I probably traveled at like six or seven clubs. None of them knew Eng- like none of the managers spoke English or anything like that. So it was at that point it was really really difficult because I'm like living in this like completely temporary, like kind of un like at, for a professional footballer unlivable situation. Yeah, and like hanging out with like tourists and stuff from like all different countries like who are basically just partying every day so like i was basically partying every day but like had no money and like yeah yeah and like then also training at like a high level so eventually by come i want to say like january in the january transfer window is when i signed for a club called ramaha sharon which are based just outside of tel aviv so then i moved down to tel aviv and yeah played the rest of the season yeah was it easier or harder to have that kind of sense of uncertainty or <coughs> doubt or kind of here we go again, you know, that you were used to from your time in Ireland? Well, Ireland had sort of prepared me for not having any certainty. And it, it, and it definitely prepared me for just being able to, like, survive. Mm-hmm. Like, there was times where I genuinely had my suitcase and was walking it miles up the road to just go to the next place and that really humbles you and it and unfortunately at the same time it does like bring your sort of self-esteem down because you're just like why am I even doing this you know what I mean like you just question yourself constantly Mm -hmm. um but at the time I I never really had lost sight sight of like why I was there and that was to just that was to just play for a club and make a bit of money and whatever you know what I mean like that was that was still it so um so yeah, like so. By the time I did, tra- you know, you know, sign, it was, it was just a sign. It was just a, a feeling of relief, mm-hmm. and um, uh, also, you know, it ultimately, like, I was at a club that was bottom of the league, but, <laughs> you know, like I did all right. Got booked in every game I played in. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, like I did, I, I did my best. You know, I did my best, but at that point, my. I was I knew that I was going to leave the country and probably never go back by the end. Like it was just so it took a lot of it took a lot out of me stress-wise. Um once again being completely on your own and having all your friends be thousands of miles away. Mm-hmm. And anybody in your family thousands of miles away. Like the one thing about in Ireland was like if I did have a really dire situation, I had your family, I had, you know, the boys, like the Dublin boys, like their their family, like our friends, you know what I mean. People, I knew people all over the country in Ireland. I knew zero people in in Israel, like yeah. zero, nobody. So like, I had more in common with the fucking junkie on the corner, basically, because you know what I mean. Then then someone who anybody who was there, because they, you know, had families and everything there. So right. it was that was that was kind of a scary time too, because. You know, you just kind of, I got myself into situations where it was just like, if anything would have gone a bit wrong, then I would have, you know, I don't know what would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have teammates that knew your situation or were aware or was that something you tried to keep to yourself? Yeah. I mean, 
uh, it's kind of a weird one to to tell people like you're you're basically in this place on your own and you don't have a lot of money and and whatnot you know what I mean you don't want people like helping you out of sympathy but you know I, I would get some rides and you know I had some people kind of like invite me out right around their house and whatever for dinners and stuff but you know there were some people who I ended up like networking with who kind of uh, let me stay at their place and things like that you know but mm. as far as like the, the boys on the team I mean half of them didn't speak English so it wasn't, yeah. really, it wasn't gonna be really a you know they wouldn't really understand would they so, yeah no that makes yeah. sense yeah so by the time that that the uh, the season was over it was I, I, I got the first train to Manchester and was like I'm never going back yeah so in total, when you were in Israel, how long were you there for? Between eleven months. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> so at that stage, you were felt like three years. Yeah, at that stage, you're almost a year in Israel. Um, how long were you in Ireland for? Previous to that. Five months. Four months. Okay. Yeah, like, well, it, Ireland seemed like it felt I was there for a long time, but actually, in retrospect, I wasn't even there very long. Yeah. yeah. So after 11 months or so, and with a couple of different teams in Israel, um, you did finish there. So that's around, what, 2014, 2015? 2015. Uh, yeah. So fill us in on that gap of five years. Were you still playing? Um, are you still playing now? or, or what kind <laughs> The of gap of five you? years between yeah. now and then. So and this is uh, you're back in America now, right? Well, so the day I left Israel, I I withdrew all my money off my Israeli bank account. Took the uh, I basically caught a cab in like this random town because I, I I I took I was making I was took a train to the airport that I thought I was going to the airport, but then I got off at like the wrong stop paid a cab off to take me and like got out like literally caught my flight with like 20 minutes to mm -hmm. spare um and then went to manchester stayed in england um saw united a couple times and then went home and by the time i went home it was i had just been through basically two and a half years of traveling uncertainty a lot of highs a lot of lows and honestly a lot of pain because you know my ulti ultimately my, my dream and my goal was to play in England um, and once I kind of realized that you know just because the way the world works the way it does and you know I, I had essentially been born in the wrong country for the, <laughs> with that in respect to you know being able to um, to do that and even play at, at like a semi-pro level, you know what I mean? Playing mm -hmm. like Northern Premier, you know, like conference division in, in England or whatever. I kind of, I, I came home and just, and, and I, there was some stuff going on here. Talks about like growing a new, you know, a professional team in Milwaukee. And, you know, I trained with them. And I was training with like that team and like a majors team, like adult league and stuff like that. And, I just, I remember playing a game that summer, because um, I came back like May June, mm -hmm. after the season. So I remember playing a game that summer, and it was a final, uh, for our, for our majors league, 
And after that game, I said I'd never kick a ball again. Um, because I just, I, I hated it. Like, I lost all love for the game. Um, and I think that was just because I saw a lot of stuff on, you know, on behind the scenes of just, like, people paying off the manager and, and just to play their kid and things like that. And it's like, where, where, where you're, you're not treated as, like at least on, on in the lower levels of, you know, the professional game and obviously mm -hmm. in, like, smaller countries that, you know, nobody really ever knows about. Like, you're just not treated as anything more than, you know, uh, a necessity for, like, in the moment. But, like, the second they don't want you or they don't need you, you're gone. Yeah. And I just needed... I needed something. I needed some support through all of that because, I, like I said, I was on my own completely. And I had no... I had nobody who was, like looking out for me really mm -hmm. um and i was burnt and i just got burnt out with it and i lost the love for the game completely and and i think i that caused a lot of you know depression after that and then um that's when i kind of really got into like abusing adderall because I, I i had been i had been on like stimulants and stuff like that since i was like fucking 12 years old I had been dealing with that at Mer like even in back to the college days where it was like I was so scared like if I to even play without it so I was I like watching some of these you know like athletes talk about like drug addictions and things like that like on you know like the ESPN thirty for thirties and things yeah. like that like that's kind of showed me is like holy shit like I was almost like a junkie you yeah. know what I mean and um in some ways and and that those problems really amplified big like in Israel because like I said when you're on your own and you kind of get into like a dark place with stuff and so I really just kind of I had a I, I basically went through a year once I came home where I don't remember what happened I don't I can't really tell you what happened that year um and then I moved out to Maryland and you know played like again once I, I played MPSL for like for the FC Frederick and stuff mm -hmm. like that. That was kind of the first time where I was like, oh, this is nice again, you know. But basically, I just lost all love for it. I completely lost all love for it. And I lost all desire to to do it. And I had to get a lot of these, all this, all these feelings and emotions out of that, of that kind of dark place. And that's when I like started playing music and stuff. And, um, you know, shout out or I'll plug my music as I, I go under an artist now named Sam McCullough and um, yeah, do all that. So check it out. It's all on iTunes and Spotify and all that. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but yeah, but you know, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of, that's kind of what happened. And, and it's really like, in some ways it's a very sad story, but I think now um, having actually just recently started like getting some help and really talking to people about kind of making peace with that, that past and that that sort of um, that almost that uh, that break away from the game, yeah. I'm starting to just accept, you know what I mean? It's like accept that um, what happened and, and start loving the game again. Yeah. You know, it's, it, and it and that's going to be a process. It's like playing right now doesn't bring me joy anymore, and it's sad, and it's that's I it kind of makes me emotional thinking about it just because I know how much I love training and how much I just love like kicking a ball around. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Is that, 
obviously you kind of recognize that a dream in some aspects is over but mm-hmm. is it also a sense of an identity crisis that you always looked at yourself as you know just a football or yeah hundred percent like and I remember saying this out loud many times where it's just like I would say if if I didn't have the game I'd be nobody as I've gotten you know gotten older and you know I've kind of been um experiencing like living in the real world finally yeah it's like there, there's so much more out there you know like there's so much more I can do just you just like music alone is a perfect example of like basically picked up a guitar and then within a year I was playing a lot of shows playing big like festivals and like not big festivals like I'm not like playing like Coachella but like you know what I mean but like I've, I've done I've, I've made a bit of an, like a name for myself locally and stuff like that and just created a bit of momentum with that you know, as, as big or as little as it is, it's like, ultimately, it's just like doing stuff that makes you happy and makes me happy. And I'm realizing there's more than just being a footballer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, and if anything, being a footballer is just like such a small part of what it means to be, you know, alive and, and a human and a, yeah. and a complete person and stuff. And I think for the first time in my life, I'm really coming into becoming that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Becoming a complete person. Or, you know, realizing other, you know what I mean, that there's, I do have so many more qualities and capabilities that, you know what I mean, just, just one thing is, yeah. is not who I am, you know. Did you ever consider um, switching as such, like getting into coaching or video analysis? Yeah, or... yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've been actually coaching like young kids, like eight, 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 nine year olds and stuff, but um, I think with the experience I have, and what I have to kind of offer, um, I would like to work in, you know, with like a college age or like from the age of like 15, 16 mm-hmm. and really sort of, um, give my experience and kind of give what I have to share as far as, um, my experience from playing, but also I think, um, from a mental health side of things, like I had, I had every bit of the drive that you would, that any, like you would make it, you know what I mean? Like with, with that drive that I had, um, I had what it took in, in, in that, in that respect. But I think from the mental aspect, I really needed, um, a bit of assistance with that. And I think, um, you know, it is something that is a bit of a, a, st- a stigma nowadays, but, um, I want to get kind of get involved on, on, on that aspect because I know that there's people and there's many players who struggle with that, who want to be something, who want to go and play at a high level, but, you know, they, they need to kind of work out the, those yeah. kind of issues and stuff. And that's what I'd love to do. I'd love to get, I'd love to either coach, um, be an assistant um, at, a, at, a, at a decent level and, you know, um, but ultimately get back into the game and just get loving the game again. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Do you- Forgive me if I'm wrong with this, but this is kind of how I got into strength and conditioning and lifting mm-hmm. initially was because you play a team sport and a lot of stuff is external. You know, like, does the coach want to play you? Um, it comes down to your teammates, where you're playing and whatnot mm-hmm. versus strength and conditioning. For me, it's kind of you get what you put in, you know, and yeah, 100%. There, there's no lies to it. Mm. Um, was music something like that for you where it's internal, like you control, um, how much work you put in versus yeah. being a footballer that 
you know, it's the same. It's it's the exact it's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's um it's doing the stuff. It's doing stuff on your like putting in hours. Like it, it's like you pr- you practice your instrument, you practice your craft, and you and you put in thousands of hours mm-hmm. to the you know to the point where it's like then you become confident and and then you kind of um, grow with that. So it's like the same way that. I'd spend countless hours uh, working on my first touch and passing, and um, and just knocking, frankly, just knocking a ball around and and working on fitness and things like that. Like that's that was me with a guitar writing songs, and I've always been able to write songs and come up and be creative with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I had when, basically when I had so much to write about, like all of these years of just kind of stuff I'd been through and you know, f- from football to relationships and things like that, I would write, I was writing song, every, a song every single day, mm-hmm. at least, you know. Um, and it's just being, being obsessed with, like, your training, like, pe- you know what I mean? When you, hear, when you hear about athletes who, like, like, Conor McGregor and, and Michael Jordan, like, people like that who talk about just, like, they, they become completely engulfed in what they're doing. And it's like, yeah, yeah it's, you can't force that. You just kind of have to. You really just have to um, learn to love some of the, the hard stuff. You know yeah. what I mean. So yeah, that that that's it really. Was that an easy decision for you with music coming yeah. out and being like, I'm, gonna sing songs that are <laughs> you know like a hundred percent honest or yeah. you know I'm gonna tell the the real story. Um, or was there yeah. some doubt in that? There's always gonna be a there's all there yeah there was always doubt like. It's a, really. It's a really weird thing to like, talk about the worst thing that's ever happened to you and like the the times where you've completely just felt hopeless and, like life isn't worth living kind of stuff and like and that's genuinely, you know serious and stuff like that so it's like. I remember like writing songs down and just like crying halfway like writing lyrics and being like oh shit, you know what I mean but. But that is in and of itself therapy, and I think the the whole point of music, and in the same way that it was the the whole point of like training and 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 football is concerned, it it's for you. It's for nobody else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, even if 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 a handful of people like it, if a thousand people like it, if nobody likes it, as long as you're happy with it, I, I kind of you know that that's that was enough for me. You know what I mean? And and I and I do hope it ends up taking off. You know, and and it and it will. Um, after this, the apocalypse ends and yeah. the flag's over, and we can, yeah. can get back to doing shows and shit. But um, I had been through the, a lot of things that kind of didn't like. I didn't care about what any of my friends thought, or, mm-hmm. or if they it was like, "Oh, this is weird," or "This is a bit, you know, out of out of out of nowhere." Like, why is he? playing in a screaming band and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I just was like, I'm going to do what I want. I don't really care what anybody thinks. Mm. You know what I mean? And, um, but I'm not going to act like that's my, always my mentality. It's like, especially like on social media, like you get like, cause that's so much of a part of being a, being an artist and musician. And like, you know, like what you're doing with, um, your, you know, training and like you're branding your own thing. And mm-hmm. like, you, you know, for a fact, like people are watching and you have to, on some level, you're like, well, are people gonna like my, what I'm posting? Are people gonna like like my my content? Or you know, like it's filtered. The way like you, you know, you know, yeah. you're, you're trying to like basically just like 
give off like your what you think is like the best version of you where it's like mm-hmm. no one can talk shit on it you know but at the, so it's like you we're absolutely like 100% i care what people think and you know it it does like affect you but like when it comes down to like writing the actual music um yeah i'm i'm, I'm doing now what i want to do i love who i i'm becoming as a person and um that's just gonna keep going, you yeah. know, and and I've really found a lot of clarity with that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty one, Sam McCullough, you know, yeah, well, it's gonna happen. Well, when you're looking at football and you're looking at <laughs> success or progress, right? It's yeah. like a professional contract or winning games. And yeah. I'm kind of looking towards what you're doing now, just with music and and life in general. Like, what what does success look like for you, or? Is it more about progress or, you know, have it, what do you see as the big picture? Success to me now looks like happiness. Being content and being happy. Having my friends around me, having my friends listen to what I, or just kind of like appreciate what, I, what I'm what i doing. Um, you know, that success to me just looks like happiness at this point mm-hmm. because, you know, I, and that's all anybody could ask for really. Because yeah. there's there's people who are wildly successful beyond imagination who kill themselves because they're just like they feel alone and sad and you know what I mean like like for me it was like Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park goes and like kills himself and I'm just like how are you like basically the best singer ever yeah. in like rock music and like have everything going for you and you have kids and a family and a wife and stuff and like you're killing yourself you know what I mean so it's like clearly you know having like material success and like whatever like that means that means absolutely fuck all doesn't it you know what i mean it it absolutely just has to do with happiness and being content and so for me that's i'm realizing like is what you know i really want but you know going back to like football and stuff like that like it i was never content with where i was whether it was at mercyhurst or the admirals Erie admirals or um, in Ireland, I was like, I wasn't content with being there. I wanted to be in England, you know, when when I was in it, you know, like, no matter what, I was always, like, looking at what other people were doing mm-hmm. and being like, well, well, this guy's got got it all figured out clearly. Like, he's on, he's on contract, he's making money, doing this and that, and why am I not doing that? And then I'll beat myself up about, like, why I'm not, you know, killing it, you know? And the same with music is, like, I all the bands I follow, like all these on like on tour, like people singing their like big shows and stuff like that. And I'm just like, well, fuck, like I'm not doing this. I'm not playing warp tour. I'm not like, you know what I mean? And it's just like, it's not even possible for me to even be even doing those things. So it's like, why am I even thinking about that? And I think that that's a lot of like what this culture, like social media culture does is it just like makes you idealize so many things instead of just like being content with where you're at and just being like, accepting that it's a process 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 and then just yeah Mm -hmm. just just carrying on with just carrying on with stuff and just being ultimately just being happy not being like comfortable with where you're at and being like well i don't care if you know i'm just gonna like be laid back about things no like throw yourself at it but you know accept the the circumstances and and work and work with that Yeah. yeah yeah so like I said, I'm not I'm not speaking from a place where I'm preaching because, you know, I, I'm I'm literally struggling with like I'm working at this every single day, but, you know, I'm really seeing it with a lot more mm-hmm. clarity than I did before because yeah, 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 and uh, I think it's a good topic. Um, I know we're not looking specifically at 
strength and conditioning tips, but the whole idea <laughs> yeah. of the podcast is to have actionable takeaways Absolutely. for youth or adult soccer player. Yeah. And um, it, it's not always going to be successful at the end of the day. No. Uh, but having having a plan and, and being able to respond to adversity is key. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing some of your perspectives today. 100%. 100%, man. And, and you know what? Like, as from someone who never had a plan <laughs> and just kind of has always just done the, the like the first thing in front i mean it's oh like my takeaway from if any if, if anyone's listening who's like actually like kind of in that position uh, in that situation of being like well i don't know what i'm gonna do you know like it's okay to not have your shit figured out but no matter what it is like you have to just do what makes you happy and you mm-hmm. have to just throw yourself at it if you love something then you just drop everything else you know and you know ultimately you know that'll lead you it'll lead you down a path it might not be the right path but it'll lead you down a path and you'll have a lot of good stories so yeah yeah man <laughs> well thanks for thanks for uh coming to milwaukee anyway no it's been a good one um <laughs> hopefully we can keep this process in person going yeah yeah uh, down the road but appreciate 100%. you coming on and, and absolutely talking up. yeah